Welcome to the Alexandra Wenman Show. It is my absolute pleasure to present to you Mr. Stuart Pierce, who is a very dear friend of mine. And uh, Stuart and I have just been having an incredible catch-up conversation uh, today. And we've been talking a lot about the awakening that is happening on our planet at this time. Uh, a lot of the videos that I've been putting out discuss this matter, but Stuart has a very unique standpoint on the awakening and uh, he's calling it angelic activism which is your next book am i right Stuart? Mm, mm. tell us about yes. angelic activism it's, well, I it is the next book but it's a sort of formulation of a, a whole process that's been taking place over the years you know um well i, for, I fundamentally believe that this is the dawning of the age of angels because mm. you know, i've been teaching angels for nearly 40 years and you know, 40 years ago, you would walk into Barnes and Noble or Waterstones, and there'd be very, very few books about the, about angels. And now, <laughs> angels have exploded. I mean, it was just extraordinary. You know, so I was asked if I would produce a proposal by uh, for a very well-known publisher the other day. And when they came back to me, they said, "Do you have to write a book about angels? We've got so many books about angels. Can you write a book about something else?" And I said, "But you know, I've been dealing with this for a long time." Um, anyway, so um, this is this is evidently. Very significant time, as we as we are seeing with the the crumbling order of the the, the patriarchal paradigm mm. and the reemergence of the divine feminine. Mm. I feel firmly, at least my experience and my teaching offers, that the future history or the next chapter is going to be written by the women and you women and and, girl, <laughs> and girls, because we need to learn from you about your extraordinary empathic mm. qualities, the way that you are obviously all from Venus, as the great book says, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And it just so happens, you know, without going on into an extolling nature of what the divine feminine is all about, that my life seems to be firmly interwoven with working mm. with very, very powerful women around the world and allowing them a way of seeing how they can discover their voices that, are often be, that have often been silenced physiologically or psychologically mm -hmm. because of the men in their lives and because of the patriarchal systems in their lives. Uh, and so it's a great, great honor to be spoken to by these 12 angels that came to me now 30 years ago. Oh, it's during the harmonic convergence. Yeah. Okay. So we just celebrated the, the 30th anniversary of August, oh, yes. August the 15th, you know, oh. seems, God, 30 years ago. Um, and angelic activism is really a think tank of energy, which is to do with feeling being the language of the soul. So I'm mixing thought and feeling of how we can feel the angels are here to really get our backs, you know, to really protect us, to assist us in the next level of genius that we can bring forth, which is obviously not what we see happening in the world in relation to the blame culture, which is all about blame and accusation, but is much more to do with insight and resolution, but being very firm in the conviction of our loving so that we are, in a sense, indomitable, that the only dominion is that of the lover, but not in some cheap, sentimental way, mm -hmm. in a very, very firm, forthright, truthful, authentic way. Mm -hmm. In order to achieve this, of course, what we all need to do is to really work on the release of our shadow, because we can't hold love truthfully 
if we have lots and lots and lots of shadow and, um, and live in emotional denials. Mm-hmm. So part of the thesis of what angelic activism is all about is really looking into the nature of shadow, identifying it in a very loving and a very charitable and a very compassionate way, but also pointing out where the ego sits in its stronghold and how it can be immensely injurious to us mm-hmm. and stops us from moving forward because you know our egos are just simply displayed in these super super conscious ways you know in terms of the superior consciousness rather than seeing that we're all in this together and that love is all there is so there are a series of precepts or a series of tenets within our, uh, angelic activism and the way that it develops is uh, you know as a sort of thesis is understanding how if we are going through the death throes of this patriarchal civilization, then obviously we're giving birth to a new paradigm. So what is that new paradigm? And as we've just, you know, just agreed, <laughs> the new paradigm is very much to do with the arousal of the divine feminine. Because she was put into obeisance 40, 450 years ago, and literally we were taught that the planet was merely a lump of matter floating through space. So we desacralized her and in all of her, in all of her referencing. And so what, what the idea is that is when, when, when we go through a dissolution, when we go through uh, a dispersal, as we're evidently going through, when we go through a diaspora, what keeps us together? I mean, literally, what keeps the fabric of our beings together? And what keeps us in ostensible harmonies, you know, as we meet and discuss? And it seems that we have a series of precepts or a series of ways of being love, harmony, empathy, compassion, mm-hmm. truth, etc., etc. These there, there are 12 key principles. And so what I'm doing, um, of course, forgiveness and mercy mm-hmm. are right at the heart mm-hmm. of it. I say that because as I, in this moment, as I scan my own consciousness and look into, well, where are we with these virtues, mm-hmm. with these precepts, that it seems that the majority of people do not have a feeling linguistic, mm-hmm. that we know how to think, often chaotically, but we, you know, our motor action skills and the way that we organize our intellect cerebrally is pretty... We're taught to squash our feelings. We're taught to squash our feelings. And so when we feel stuff, we know we feel like shit, but we don't know what we're feeling. And so what I'm I'm helping through, what I'm helping people do through these precepts is to see a way of being able to define what they're really feeling and to see if what they're feeling is in association with the highest, the highest principle or with the lowest principle. And of course, you know, something like mercy is something that people don't even know mm. what it means. No. They don't know what forgiveness means, whether it be personal forgiveness or forgiveness of others. So I speak very generally, but, you know, because it's a, a body of work that is really in creation. And yet through channeled source, particularly through the Twelve Angels of Atlantis, the term that seems to be the most um, synthetic, you know, that brings the synthesis together, of what this body of thought is all about is angelic activism. So it's very closely aligned with um, the civil rights movement of the mm-hmm. 60s, with Gandhi's teaching and Martin Luther King Jr.'s teaching about non-violent peaceful protest. Mm-hmm. One of the key principles is that we're living in an age of transparency, and in order to move forward, 
we need to constantly bring our truth forward. So we need to find ways of being able to express that, which is very difficult when we're living in very oppressive regimes, whether it be um, a young person living with their, their family that's oppressive, or a woman living with a man who's oppressive, or a man living with a woman who's oppressive, whatever situation we're in, and also in our employment situations, you know, of living with despotic or tyrannical mm -hmm. bosses, of how we can step forward and speak what our truth is mm -hmm. in the face of that, but not be condemnatory of other. It's a it's a it's an interesting point. The thing about compassion. I wrote. I actually wrote a poem yesterday. I, I might share it a bit a bit later on with you. But um, it, it's 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 difficult day to day. I think for the ordinary person, who I think we're all trying to live lives as kind, good people. I think everybody is trying to do that. But it becomes quite difficult when you have to make that choice. How do you hold your power? How do you stay empowered, but at the same time be kind? And then you're walking a very fine line because obviously if a lot of your emotions are triggered, a lot of your stuff's coming up, it's difficult to try to navigate that. And I, for one, have found that as a woman, rather than get into conflict, because I've been taught my whole life to fear conflict, is to step back and let the other person take the power. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, where such an imbalance has occurred. And I think what from my perspective, and, and I know that this is, you, you will agree with this too, Stu, I'm sure, is that we're learning to have compassion for ourselves first, and we must do that. Mm -hmm. That in order to have compassion and love for everybody else, you have to honour yourself first and foremost, and know that that's not selfish, and mm -hmm. that's not taking from anybody else. Mm -hmm. And it's only through that compassion that we can unlock the shadow and embrace the ego, and, and learn that those lower emotions are actually the keys to unlock our healing. Mm. They're not the enemy, they're not something to, to squash or repress. Mm. Mm. And I've seen so much of it as well with my own clients, it's incredible. Mm. Such, a, such, a, such a simple thing. Yes, and yet isn't it interesting? Because again, you know, in the complexity of what we're living, because there are so many conflicts mm. around. Um, I mean, all we have to do is look into the socio-political arena and see the unbelievable conflicts there, and they're becoming vicious conflicts, Massively, aren't they? That yeah. you know that actually the the keys are so simple. Mm. Love is all there is. Mm. It's that simple, and as it says in the Course in Miracles, you know that nothing else exists. Mm. Anything anything uh, else that exists is unreal. I was quoting that yesterday, and the co the quote that Marianne Williamson uses quite a lot I think which really resonates with me was the one that is in my defenselessness my safety lies yes. and when you don't feel the need yes. to have to defend your well, your standpoint mm. or your principles or your love for self because truth is so it's it is like the sword of truth it is mm. it's unconditional love it's it's mm. like the 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 love that transcends dark and light so it's mm. not the same quality as compassion quite it's very when you're in your truth and you're standing for something but what as we've just had a conversation about what can happen is when you're standing in your own self-love and your own truth like that and standing in your power other people can then get triggered because mm. their vulnerabilities mm. are kind of mm. mirrored back to them but mm. yes it's um, the hard wiring is challenging isn't yeah. it because i feel that we're hardwired to be defensive mm. we're hard by hardwired to be confrontational and what we're seeing of course is which we saw in Iraq, you mm. know, when we went into Iraq, that um, 
that's just one example of the many, of course, but you know, from a societal point of view, from a collective point of view, that it's completely inappropriate to mm. go into confrontation. And we're seeing it all the time in terms of the disputes that arise as a result of blame culture. You know, I was just watching a video the other day of, of what feel, feels like a beautiful nurse working in a major critical care unit in a hospital in Salt Lake City in Utah. And a, a, a patient had come in who had been involved in a terrible car accident. And I think possibly was the perpetrator that created the accident. The accident. But he was completely unconscious mm -hmm. and they were stabilizing him. And the police came in and demanded that they take some of his blood to test whether he was, you know, under the influence of alcohol or whatever, drugs or whatever. And apparently it's illegal for that to happen unless consent is given. Wow. So she said, well, I would love to do this, mm -hmm. but actually you can see the documentation suggests um, that, that the hospital authorities in relation to the police department that actually this is this is illegal. I mm -hmm. cannot do this. So they arrested her. They arrested her violently Whoa. in the middle of this critical care unit. With a man's life hanging. With a man's life hanging. She was arrested, you know, literally. And so that was viral on Facebook and other social media. And in those situations, well, what do we do? Because I've brought up a tremendous mm. amount of reaction mm. in the defensiveness of confrontation. Okay. So there's the picture, and what, what the angels are encouraging through me is to insert new realities. Mm. And you've just touched on it, which is that if we can explore ways of releasing ourselves from our own defensive behaviors, then we cease confronting. But what our truth takes us into something I'm calling infrontation, mm. not confrontation. Mm. So we stand in grace mm. and in love and in truth, and we say, was that the highest choice? Mm. Not, you did wrong, that's bad, but was that the highest choice? I, I have to protest. Mm. This is literally not appropriate to me. Mm. Now, um, as soon as we start thinking these things, <laughs> thoughts and things, as we know, they become living realities. <laughs> so I found myself last year in two situations. One was a major public situation mm. where I infronted and literally security was called and frog marched me out of this My Body Spirit Festival in the United I States. I remember you telling me about this. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and how to deal with that because it's shocking. Mm. Um, and, you know, the first, the first um, I I I ingredient is total forgiveness mm. for the, and mercy mm. for the people that are perpetrating mm. the seeming wrong. But at the same time, was this the highest choice? You know, and so I, I use the organ of transparency in whatever whatever way I can to never judge, but to always state literally this is what is taking place. So that when we infront, we are infronting through grace and through love. Mm -hmm. But if we don't do something, as Martin Luther King Jr. said, if we if we succumb to indifference, then nothing changes. And so I feel that. Angelic activism is literally asking us to step forward and to be the mighty, be beautiful beings that we are, but in love. Mm. We, can't, we can't be ignorant anymore mm. in, in trying to be peaceful. It's caused inaction, I yeah, think, yeah, because the, yeah, yeah. a lot of that, that peaceful, peacefulness or trying to keep things calm 
has let a lot of things slip under the carpet, yes. which then yes. builds into the shadow. Yes. So I think you're absolutely And a perfect on. example of that is what happened in November and January this year in the election of, uh, mm. of our current president of the United mm. States of America, where, where people were so indifferent, they mm. just didn't go to the ballot box. Yeah. And the force that brought Mr. Trump into power um, saw an opportunity. And I do not believe that that force was of the greatest light. No. I believe that that force was of the greatest dark. I'm sure there's a few people that might agree with you on that, on that point. And it's so we send love to those, mm. um, the, those challenged people because mm. the, the, there are a large socio-demographic of people that are very challenged and mm. are using denials, for example, within Christian fundamentalism to, to support that. You know, I, I'm reminded of something. I once met Maya Angelou, who was just absolutely extraordinary, and she, she said to me something. I mean, we lament her, right? Mm -hmm. We need her now yeah. because she was such an extraordinary force. Unfortunately, she died two years ago. And she said, you know, she had the most extraordinary voice, and I'm not going to imitate her voice because that would be ridic ridiculous. But she said, um, you know, Stuart, that when we, when we pass, people don't remember us by what we said people remember us by the way we made them feel. Mm. And it feels to me that that's such an amazing clarion call for the legacy that we want to leave in relation to the conversation that we're having about angelic activism, which is just a, a, another definition of what you're doing in sense of spreading freedom mm. um, and how the angels can illuminate the conviction of what this freedom is actually all about that it's all about feeling, that feeling is the language of the soul. So we need to get away from these constipated forms of thought mm. where we just argue with one another yeah. opinions mm. that are all received anyway. And we, you know, we, we gain points by how clever we are through the memory of, don't you forget this, and don't you forget yeah. that, and don't you forget... You know, it's just, and it's the one-upmanship that keeps... It's just it's, absurd. Yeah, it's crazy. I spent a lot of time in Egypt, and going on retreat and discovering the mysteries and because we've shared a retreat um, a few years ago. We spoke about, I spoke about um, the retreat I shared with you in my first video on the show so mm. just to say if mm. anyone wants to hear more about my experience there then you can watch mm. that video but yes mm. carry on sorry. Steve. Yeah well it's called the resurrection retreat isn't it <laughs> and I mean you know it's so apropos what we're talking about because again um, as we go on the retreat and explore the great temples of Egypt that are these astro-geographical locations that, you know, they may be ruinous, but as soon as you walk into them, it's like, mm. oh my God, Spaceships, this aren't is they? amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, all of our cells are affected, the, the over 100 trillion cells, more than all the stars in the Milky Way galaxy are affected by the experience. And so we find ways of being able to die to the old self and are reborn to our divine blueprint. So we come out of the experience, this extraordinary experience of being in Egypt, better people. Mm. That's the theme, that's the hope anyway. <laughs> um, and so the point that I was just, uh, that was just moving through my consciousness was the way that when I'm there, um, increasingly so, I meet Islamic fundamentalism mm. in the way that many of the people have been brain, many of the men, I should say, mm. have been brainwashed mm. into negotiating some systems management to do with inland security mm. that of course I have to be very responsible about in, and in respect of because I'm looking after 20 souls mm. or 25 souls on a retreat and uh, I have to negotiate with them and that's extraordinary, you know, the, the level of hatred in their eyes mm. as I say no, what's happening is this. 
and you know and treat them as though they're children but not in a patronizing way no. in, a, in a very mature way but just this is the way it's going to happen and if we don't change this then the eyes of the world are going to be looking on this great nation and your people in um, in, in, in uncomfortability rather than in grace. And we all want to look on your nation in great grace. So there are many permutations to what we're talking about. Um, however, I do believe that it's divinely inspired. And I do believe that the, the particularly, you know, the, I know we both do the same thing in the angel, angelology that we uh, live and teach, that each of the angels have a very specific role. And that we, we need to see that those roles are with us today because they represent the archetypes that we live our lives by that are literally keys into our consciousness. And so I don't believe that this is some clever intellectual process. I feel that all we need to do is just to be sensible about identifying, I need a comforter. Mm -hmm. I need a guide. I need a leader. Mm -hmm. I need a messenger. I need love. Mm -hmm. Or, as we're saying, I need a sacred warrior. Because I feel that this is unjust, whatever it may be, whether it's a personal relationship or a professional relationship or something we're observing in the world. And I feel called to act. This is a call to action. Now, how am I going to do this? And so, as I, as I move this, maneuver this forward, there are more and more people that are literally coming into my life from the ether who are in, a, in alignment with what I'm talking about and say, let's create a group of sacred vigilantes. And so that's in a sense what we're doing. And of course, we don't carry rifles or knives. We don't, we don't have weapons of mass destruction. What we do is simply have love. Yeah. And uh, it requires bravery and it requires courage. But what else is there in the face of these extraordinary aspects that are so intrinsic to our peoples that we are spiritual beings having a human experience and that we're vastly powerful. We may just be living a double helix DNA, but actually we have within our bodies the potential for a 12 helix DNA. So, you know, this is a time to grow. This is a time to evolve. What I love as well is at the moment, I'm seeing a, a huge shift in a lot of the very sensitive people, like mm -hmm. like you and I, who where we've gone through the the hard times, the mm -hmm. dark nights of the soul, and uh, you know, and having been a very sensitive child as I was growing up, and and feeling very uh, confronted all the time with other people's emotions, and and often taking it on energetically and things like that. I think there's a lot of sensitives on the planet now who are done, mm. you know, it's like we've had enough mm. of being the victim and we've had enough mm. of having to step back and having that sensitivity not acknowledged or not recognized or mm. not honored, not mm. respected. And, you know, it used to be the way of the world, you know, just in, in, in everyday terms, that if you were, it came up in conversation, a girl or, or girly, or if you were uh, a flowery type, I remember, writing my poetry and my dad once said oh that's a bit flowery isn't it it's like that was seen as a weakness mm, mm. and our feelings and our and our mm. sensitivities were seen as a weakness but now I think what we're starting to learn and what you, what you and I have definitely learned is that that level of love that mm. we carry which is so runs so much deeper I mean it's divine it goes deeper than this 
this little logical thought box mm. could even hold mm. is not light and fluffy. Mm. It's power. Mm. It's really powerful mm. and compassion can move mountains. Mm. Totally. And and I love I love that <coughs> and I love that you're that you're bringing this activism. To and we're seeing wonderful. it, aren't we? We're seeing it in the yeah, world. You everywhere. know, for example, we know that it seems at the moment things are critical mm. and that we human beings learn more through desperation than through inspiration. Mm. I would prefer it was otherwise, but and so, as we know, we've just been through, we've observed, we haven't literally lived it, but I feel as though I have, because I have friends who live in Houston mm. and in the environs of, mm. we've just experienced Hurricane Harvey. Yeah. And, you know, this is the worst meteorological catastrophe in recorded history. It's like the highways have become oceans. It's Absolutely it's, It was in all the prophecies yeah. too, right? And Hurricane Irma yeah. is brewing in the Atlantic at the moment, just over the Dominican Republic, where I've just returned from, um, and is heading for um, the eastern seaboard. So it could it could be another Harvey. Let's pray, let's pray it's not. Mm. However, the point of the story is that Mother Earth, Mother Nature is evidently showing us that a correctional facility needs to be opened. Mm. And the way to do it, I believe, is that, as we're seeing emerging, and this is what I wanted to observe for us, is that there are remarkable people who are stepping forward mm. in these areas of catastrophe, who have open hearts and generous spirits. For example, Mattress Mac, mm. who has some of the major mattress or furniture stores in the Houston area is allowing, because there is something like 350,000 people homeless. Okay, So they've lost everything. This is the late, latest call, mm. I believe, the latest toll. And he's allowing all a lot of these people to go into the warehouses that fortunately are dry, so they can have amazing sleep. Oh, these beautiful beds that are sometimes thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. I saw an interview with him on CNN the other day, and of course the big question that the, the news reporter was asking is, but what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do with the mattress when, it, when this is all over? And he said, I don't know, God will have his way. Yeah. You know, There's this belief in the fact that all will be well, because yeah. all actually is always well yeah. when we look into the thing that we have always been promised and that the angels are now reminding us mm. of, which is that we're living in a field of abundance. And it doesn't need to be a field of scarcity. Mm. It doesn't need to be the scarcity of hatred or the scarcity of indifference or the scarcity of, of despising. It, mm. it can be the abundance of. But firstly, as you said right at the beginning of our conversation, what we need to do is take a very strong look into the reactive nature mm. of our own beings and realize that each reaction is merely an action that we've committed ourselves to sometimes if we're old enough, sometimes 50 years ago, and that what we need to do is to find ways of uniquely creating a new response mm. so that we truly become responsible, you know, the ability to respond. And therefore we live creatively in touch with spirit and our intuitive synchronistic or serendipitous powers, our magical powers, so that we step into a field of abundance which is about being miracle-minded. Mm. And um, you know, as I speak this, I'm, I'm very, I'm very influenced by somebody that I'm working with, who, who's no, called Marianne Williamson, who has written about this and speaks about this copiously. So, if anybody's interested, you know, a book that of hers that's 
only just been um, published, is called The Law of Divine Compensation, oh, I've read which it. is it's just extraordinary. That book, it's only a small book, mm. and um, mm. that book actually, that book changed my life at, mm. at one point. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, it was at a, a time when the magazine I used to work for mm -hmm. had collapsed and I've, I think I've spoken about this a bit before and I had to go back into freelance work in an office and I'd just been to see Marianne for, she came to London and did a talk on that book mm -hmm. and um, it sort of woke me up because even though I know all this stuff mm -hmm. and I teach all this stuff and we're human, right? So sometimes we do forget and we need reminding. And I read that book and I, and I, instead of going into the office and going, why am I here? I've gone backwards. This is not where I want to be. I started to have gratitude that, mm. well, if I'm here, I must be needed here. Mm. If I'm here, I, I'm obviously where I need to be because the universe wouldn't put me somewhere I didn't need to be. And I've got something to learn or I've got something to teach. And I started going in and spreading love. And before I knew it, the magazines in the building that I was working for started to put me in the magazine because they found out what I was doing oh, and I became cool. therapist of the week and wow. the people would come to me in their lunch break for readings and then it was a few months later mm. I my, my own practice had taken off I was wow. able to step out wow. but it was it was thanks to that book mm. that I that mm. it reminded me and I changed that attitude mm. and it, it's incredible mm. Mm. very good very good beautiful um, it's a beautiful story and, and, and of course the these stories must come forth mm. because we can see that now we've moved through the transition, we're valiant mm. and even more brave than we were before, but look what we've learned. Mm. Um, uh, these, the, again, these essential precepts of how often do we pledge ourselves to gratitude? Mm. How often do we say thank you to a person who opens a door to us or who steps aside as we're busily moving up an escalator mm. or um, when you know when when a child comes and gives us a feather, mm. how often do we really say thank you? Or indeed, in relation to the counsel of our own inner voice, our own inner guide, uh, our soul, in in relationship to our genie, our guardian angel, how often do we say thank you, thank you, thank you? I am so grateful mm. for this life. Esther, Esther Hicks has a wonderful. Mm. Um, technique which she uses, which is referring to we being in the vortex, that when we're in the vortex, which is the field of infinite potential, that when we're in the vortex, that if we actually live in the vortex with gratitude, saying, I am so grateful for this friendship, I am so grateful for this conversation, I am so grateful for our, our film camera person who's doing the most amazing job, I'm so grateful for this opportunity, because we know that something that we're sharing can be a spark of inspiration for someone, someone within the global village, maybe in, a, in, a, in a, uh, an African community, that somebody will hear this and go, oh, wow, how amazing that we can do this. So yes, to move into the vortex and to move into the field of gratitude is obviously about being miracle-minded because it would, we're assuming in a very, in a very rightful way that actually all there is is self-organization and self-correction. You know, the fact that we're trying to make what is perfect imperfect is absurd. And that's I know that's one of the tenets in A Course in Miracles, the way that we're trying to interfere with God's potential. Uh, no, 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 God has an intelligence. The source has an intelligence. The angels have an intelligence. The ascended masters and mistresses have an intelligence far greater than we have. And if we call upon them, they always have our back. 
I, I met just before coming here, and I was uh, I, I was going to go and buy some coffee, and I saw a woman selling the big issue, a mm-hmm. uh, homeless woman. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I'll go and and I always give them a little bit extra, mm-hmm. you know. And then I just said to her, can I can I get you anything? Can I go? I'm going to get coffee. Would you like a coffee? Would you like something to eat? And she said, oh, just a coffee would be lovely. And she was lovely, really very well spoken, and um, just a, a very sweet, lovely energy about her. And I came back. I bought her her coffee, and uh, I just stood and and talked to her, spoke to her for a while. And uh, her name was Julian, and she was such an inspiration and I said to her Gillian you know what, what's your story you know how did you how did you come to sell the big issue and she said oh um, I've been I've been living like a hobo for a, a, a long time and she said but I, I was cured from a neurological disease a number of years ago because of my faith in Christ mm-hmm. but it was she was she was incredible it was all to do with her faith and mm. it was all to do with yes. you know yes but whatever I, the details of the story it's no, about the, no problem with her research. situation yeah. Yeah. such a joyful yeah. face yeah. and like yeah everything's taken care of and of course we glory mm. in the triumph don't we we mm. glory in the wonder of a story like this mm. um, but at the same time as you, as you and I have referred to it and we've lived it ourselves that in getting in the process of getting to the glory can often be vainglorious, mm. can often be real suffering. And that the the question is, as we're suffering, do we consume ourselves with self-pity and sentimentality and regret? Mm. Or do we see that no, no, this crisis is an opportunity for immense growth. Mm. And all we need to do is to nudge ourselves forward, step by step, by step, by step. I remember, what is it now, seven years ago, of going through a huge crisis mm. um, where the zenith of my career as a voice coach had been threatened mm. and uh, I needed to shift, but I couldn't see a way of shifting fully. Um, Thank God you did. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, so, you know, life brought challenge. Mm. So ha- how extraordinary that was. But all the time, the signs that came up about actually all, all you need to do is to do this, all you need to do, all you need is faith, all you need is belief, all you need is trust. And as soon as we literally hold on to these life buoys of faith, belief and trust, or gratitude, or, um, yeah, I was trying to think of a, 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 a concomitant to faith, um, Belief, faith, and trust. Yeah. Same, really, don't Same. they? Yeah. But as soon as we can hold on to this, yeah. that's when God lifts us, or the angels come in and uplift us, because we shift frequency. Just by, I mean, you know, Jesus did say it. You have a faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. 100%. And, you know, it's just extraordinary. Here's a lady who is in a financial predicament, and he's, she's beginning to find a way in. I was with a woman yesterday who was told three months ago that she was dying of cancer, mm-hmm. and because of the work that we've done, she's gone into complete remission. So this was our celebration yesterday in the session, yeah. you know, that her oncologist has said, but, but, but you, don't, you don't have any cancer, what's happened? And we're hearing this more and more and more and more, that through the faith of her conviction, that the tyranny of fear that she'd lived under for 46 years had to be cured, and that her faith that she could cure it 
through the instrumentation of outer influence, the work that we did, the people that I sent her to for detoxification, you know, on all levels of experience, is that she's moved through that and is now singing, oh, this is extraordinary. Mm. So these see, are the... It's your the, teacher, right? Whenever you see your... It's a teacher. Your challenge is yes, your teacher. Yes, And you change, it's like yes. the hanged man in the tarot, you're flipping your perspective. Yes, 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 yes. And, yes. It's just, and it sort of brings us full circle in mm. our conversation with what you were sharing at the beginning about shadow. And I was reminded of that wonderful line from Rumi that where our wounds lie, the greatest light lives. Mm. Isn't that extraordinary? And that, uh, the other thought that came into my consciousness was, having spent a lot of time in Native America, that the Native American people say that when, you, when you're bitten by the snake, mm. the cure is 20 feet away. Mm. It's just that we're so in, oh my God, I've been bitten by a snake, or you know, whatever the trauma is, because it can be immensely debilitating, as we know. But we, we don't see it. Yeah. And if we can only see it, that there it is. So the council, the ministry of belief, faith, and trust, and the other key precepts of love, of mercy, of compassion, of empathy, mm. of joy. Joy is <laughs> utmost key, right? We have to be able to laugh at ourselves. We have to play. <laughs> Like yeah. children, I mean, yeah. you know, the blessed are the children, for they shall inherit the yeah. kingdom of heaven. The innocence, they have it, you know. When I watch my little godson mm. and his amazing play, I mean, he, he said to me the other day, he was looking at me like he was mesmerized. And I said, what's, what's happening, darling? He said, you know, what's happening, darling? And he said, Stuart, I'm see I think you're God. <laughs> uh, and I said, why do you think that? And he said... Because you have light coming out of every pore. And you know, I know how I know this. And I said, how do you know this? And he said, because I know I'm God. That's you know? And I, I was, oh my gosh. Out of the, yes. ma out of the mouths of babes and sucklings. I mean, here is the truth. He's yeah. living there. And of course, his ma, his mother, is making sure, you know, who's a soul sister of mine, who is making sure that he has these presets mm. at his fingertips. But what's beautiful, and this is really the point of my reckoning, is that they are intrinsic expressions mm. of the nature of his own being. Mm. And that doesn't mean to say that he hasn't seen hardship. Mm. He's seen huge hardship through a very acrimonious divorce that has taken place between his mother and father, where there was, you know, it was a war zone. <laughs> He's seen the bitterness, but what he also does is to intrinsically lift into the light. Mm, and one of the, probably one of these very evolved new souls that are coming. This is a crystal child, yeah. yeah this is a crystal child who, who is a great teacher. Great teacher. Oh, the children are so here to teach us. It isn't the other way around. <laughs> yeah, he's a great teacher. <laughs> he keeps us all in our place. <laughs> so I, you were reading something to me before we began this conversation. Could I ask you to read this on camera? Mm. Because I just mm. think these words are so beautiful, mm. and they they really sum up the what we've been talking about. Mm just mm. now and uh, you, and you say this was written in the 1930s this was written in the 1930s yes by a, a poet called Christopher Fry so the, so to spill into it the context is that whenever I feel that we're going through personal or collective shifts that are often very suffered 
I, I try to reach into the world of poetry because it speaks to me, it always has done. You're a man after my own heart, Stuart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so I try to find a piece of poetry that synthesizes what we're experiencing. And lo and behold, I found this. It's called The Sleep of Prisoners. The human heart can go to the lengths of God. Dark and cold we may be, but this is no winter now. The frozen misery of centuries breaks, cracks, begins to move. The thunder is the thunder of the flows, the thaw, the flood, the upstart spring. Thank God our time is now, when wrong comes up to face us everywhere, never to leave us till we take the longest stride of soul we humans ever took. You see, affairs are now soul size. The enterprise is an exploration into God. The question is, where are you making for? It takes so many thousands of years to wake, but will you wake for pity's sake? It's extraordinary. It's amazing. Beautiful. And that was written about the, the rise mm -hmm. of Nazism, totalitarianism, mm -hmm. in the in the Weimar during the thirties, you know, which of course led us towards um, the the Holocaust and the horror of the Second World War. What's interesting, of course, is that this time is an echo, astrologically speaking, of that time. Mm -hmm. It's just that today we have the organ of transparency. Mm -hmm that is leading us with the conviction of what we've been talking about into a space of, of my dead body. I'm not allowing that happening. Um, and so we literally will not allow eight and a half million people to walk into a concentration, those concentration camps. In other words, you know, I was only looking into a news reportage um, yesterday about what Mr. Trump is trying to do, which is to renege on the agreement that President um, Obama made to the thousands and thousands and thousands of unregistered immigrants mm -hmm. who are young people that have been brought up in the United States, have been educated in the United States, who are fee-paying or tax-paying American citizens. And what he's saying is they all need to be sent back to where they came from. But I don't believe that we will allow this to happen, do you see? that a group of people will come forward and say, this is immoral. Mm. This, may, this may be a legality that, you know, there needs to be a dispelling of immigrant population. This may be a legality, but surely that the Constitution of the United States of America must support must the nature that, right? of mm. the human concern. Mm. You know, the, it, it's absurd. So it seems that through the measures that people like Mr. Trump try to bring into mm -hmm. our lives, that it's allowing us an opportunity to take this longest stride of mm -hmm. soul we humans ever took. Mm -hmm. Now Martin Luther King said something really interesting, which is that the moral arm of the universe is long, but it always bends towards justice. Mm -hmm. So you see there is an inherent intrinsic mechanism within our nature, mm -hmm. within the nature of our planet, within the nature of our galaxy, which always leads us towards a righteous balance, mm -hmm. where the iniquities are seen as they are, to mm -hmm. be iniquitous, and that the glories are seen to be the effervescent, incandescent, transcendental mm -hmm. nature of what we're trying to do to live 
the glory and the wonderment of what we are as human beings, spiritual beings on a human journey. Well, the discrepancies within things like government and religion and things like that now, they're bordering on the ludicrous, mm. aren't they? Mm. I mean, mm. it can't be ignored. Mm. And the, the amount of conspiracy theories mm. that are now just theories that are mm. being aired and coming to the surface, we can't close our eyes. We can't be asleep anymore. And, you know, we, we, you know, but we've been kind of, in the past, it was possible through media and, and all the different um, platforms mm. to keep people asleep by feeding them just one story. But as we know, the cosmic web is alive and so is the interweb, mm. the internet. And, mm. you know, where you don't see the reality on the news, they might try and cover it up with one story. Mm. You'll see it because everyone has a, a camera phone, everyone's out. You know, we look at Grenfell Tower and the uh, how hideously dealt with that was. You know, all this all this money going to charity, and yet the people on the streets receiving none of it. Mm. And uh, you know, we can't hide anymore. We can't pretend that what happens on the other side of the world isn't happening mm. to me. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And so the, this last theme is that we wake up to our co-creativity, that we're all in this together, mm. and that we need to not dismay and despair in others, but actually see that this is an opportunity for great growth. Mm. And so let's interface with that. Mm. It's beautiful. There's one, there is a person uh, who you knew very well, who was very awake to what was going on on the planet, and she did a lot of good work with uh, the innocent. And, uh, and it's mm. where we're, mm. we're at her, the anniversary of her death, mm. uh, Princess Diana. Mm. Um, can you tell her, tell us anything about her? Because you were quite close friends with her. Mm. And, uh, you know, we, we could see, obviously, in the media, the good work that she did and that she was this absolute light on the planet. And, I mean, what, uh, what a pinnacle of divine feminine shining through and really lovingly making a stand against injustice. And what was she like as a person, Stuart? What, what did you learn from your friendship with Diana? Well, Diana was very beautiful, I mean, very beautiful within and without. Um, so she lived huge joy and playfulness, you know, the playfulness of a child that we were talking about earlier. Um, but at the same time, with, um, with immense empathy for others. So she was always caring about others. And in, in very, very, very simple ways, she was divinely, um, in divine comradeship of all human beings and particularly, of course, of those who have suffered. Mm. And, uh, and of course, we see in her legacy, we see the, the remarkable charities that she was in association with. And there were, there were very unconscious acts that give demonstration or illustration of what we're talking about, but also that changed. There were epoch-making principles. For example, when she, and I don't know when this was, I think it was in the in the early 90s, when she weren't, when, or the late 80s, when, when AIDS was mm. just a huge situation um, throughout the world, that Diana was the first notable human being who was seen going into an AIDS hospice and not standing away, but going forward and hugging or touching or shaking the hands of someone with full-blown HIV. That was epoch-making. Mm. That, that literally um, 
created history. Um, the point is that she was audacious mm. on that level. Often, <laughs> often I felt through um, risk-taking that was slightly dangerous <laughs> because she was, in the same time, an innocent. So like mm. a child, she would often step forward and do stuff, <laughs> say things that afterwards would have these huge <laughs> repercussions. But what was so beautiful about it was the total and utter authenticity of giving to someone who seemed to be less fortunate than herself because she had experienced such emotional misfortune mm. in her early childhood. Um, yeah, she was, she, was, she was something else, was mm. Diana. We, we knew that she was destined. She talked about the fact that she had a feeling that she was destined for some level of greatness. But she never spoke of this in any grandiose mm. way. Uh, little did we know that what would happen in her passing was this extraordinary triggering within the archetypal consciousness mm. of we peoples, where we just, the heart opened, and she literally in that moment became the empress, not mm. the queen of everybody's hearts. Um, and so there was a great outpouring, wasn't there? And I believe that her death changed the lives of millions of people on our planet mm. and continue to, mm. you know. And uh, I'm, I'm immensely impressed with William and Harry and what they're doing, you know. Yeah. And the very fact that uh, I, I believe it was a correct reportage that I saw the other day that they've actually pledged something like a hundred thousand pounds, or maybe it was millions, mm. to the survivors of Hurricane Harvey. I mean, you know. They really, they really are walking in her shoes, aren't they? Literally. Yeah. And I think they're both two very, very beautiful mm. men who are trying to you know, really achieve something mm. in the world through grace and through beauty and through, through love and through care and through understanding. And pushing the, the boundaries of mm. their station as mm. well. Doing mm. it. Yeah. Mm. They're real people. They're being real yes, people. Yes, they are. It's wonderful. So again, it's this note of authenticity, isn't it? Mm. This, this is something... Where, which means that somebody just sits in the middle of their beings. Mm. And even in the face of a horror, that they're able to see the light beyond the horror. Mm. You know, that, we're, that as we move through this age of transparency, we're developing these visionary faith mechanisms rather than what the patriarchy taught us, which was blind faith. Mm. But we're really developing the, an, a foresight and an insight based on our hind, mm. hindsight so that we can get clear about our lives. Therefore, we, we accommodate more light. Mm. I think it was Jung who said that, you know, that being a spiritual being or being enlightened is not a question of imagining beings of light. It's a question of drawing the light into being the darkness. The light. <laughs> yeah, but drawing it, you know, yeah. drawing it into the yeah. shadow and healing the shadow yeah. so that we can truly allow each of ourselves to be a satellite mm. of pure light mm. talking to each other's cell, which is what they do. And when you get enough of those lights turning on in the shadow, mm. it's all illuminated. Mm. It's wonderful. Mm. So what's next for you, Stuart? What can we... What's next? Yes. Oh my goodness me. <laughs> in the next... <laughs> um, I mean, you know, there, there is so much happening. There's so much happening. Um, we're recording at the beginning of September, and I'm preparing two big global tennis summits that I'm about to do. Um, writing, of course, and mm. seeing seeing clients, mm -hmm. um, preparing the resurrection retreat in December, and preparing all the other projects. You know, it's an ongoing, beautiful 
infinitely unfolding creative possibility. And when can we expect this angelic activism book to be released? Well, of course, I'd like to say tomorrow. <laughs> but, you know, what's interesting about bringing books up and, you know, uh, publishing contracts and so forth is that they have a certain amount of time attached to them. And so hopefully, hopefully by the summer of next year, it normally takes a year to bring a book out. Mm. Um, and then that will be followed very quickly by another book about... Uh, uh, hopefully about Diana. Mm. So we're, we're, we're putting a proposal together about that at the moment with a major publisher. It's wonderful. So the angelic activism and then the book about the mm. angelic activist. Mm, really. Totally. Yeah. And it will, be, it will be purely about her from an archetypal point of view. So it won't be another biography about no. Diana. I dare say we will refer to... Um, I say we because I don't... Although I'm the writer, I, I feel as though I'm being associated with... Um, some very, uh, very extraordinary divine intelligence, including Diana. Um, it will be a book about her first among angels, mm. as he, you know, because we're really seeing that there is the definition of a vast cosmic project, which is how can we human beings become human angels, mm. um, bearing in mind that angels love for the sake of love, and we human beings tend to love for the sake of being loved. Mm. So this revolution of consciousness is really allowing us to see ways of being able to cure our codependency in relation to the loving fabrics that we have around us, whether they be our partners, our friends, our family, or indeed our pets, or our addictions, I guess. Mm. Um, how we can become very free as, uh, as loving champions so that we don't engage in sentimentality and, and so forth and so forth. Um, and so we cease codependence and we become co-creative. How can we do that? Yeah, so there's another, I mean, I know a number of our colleagues have written books about human, human angelic status, but the, the book about Diana will be literally a reflection, not on the lamentation of her passing, because after all, in the divine, in the divine schema, that it was intended for her to go for the extraordinary awakening that took place. And so I feel that we need to cease the lamentation about, <gasps> you know, remembering what we were doing on that day 20 years ago. Um, but at the same time that we see that she is a glorified being in heaven and that she's not just a queen of our hearts, but also a queen of heaven. Mm. So I see her very much as an archetypal consciousness mm. in relation to some of the other very powerful champions of the divine feminine pantheon so she's there with Mary, she's there with Mary Magdalene, she's there with Isis. She, she is there with those very remarkable degrees. Because they're ciphers by which something, by which cosmic intelligence can be read. Mm. And certainly appear to be very purposeful in relation to our gestation mm. and our destiny as human beings, mm. as spiritual beings on, on a human journey. Uh, and the more we become aware of these things, as we were saying about enlisting the... Um, the, the precepts, the more we become aware of these things, the easier life gets. That's the point. Mm -hmm. Because we begin to realize that we're not just the identity that we've been consumed by and all the fears or tribulations that we may hold within our bodies, that we're actually very, very extraordinary mm -hmm. human beings, or cosmic beings, I should say, that have cosmic comradeship around us all the time. Mm. It's fun. It's very fun. It's amazing. It's wonderful. And what 
what a light you're shining in sharing all of this information. Well, and you. Um, you are you are a, a spiritual warrior. And uh, I just I'd like to say to our viewers uh, that the time is now, and uh, if you feel the call to follow your heart to whatever it is you feel called to be doing that lights your soul up, that lifts your soul up, mm -hmm. and that brings you joy and that brings you happiness, but that makes a stand for truth and for love in a world where there's a lot of turbulent stuff going on, mm -hmm. but we don't have to tolerate being in the dark anymore. It's mm -hmm. time for us mm -hmm. to step forward. Yeah, I mean, the, you, we're here to have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> we're here to have yeah. a, a terrible time. <laughs> we're here, you know, we're here yeah. for joy, and that's really what miracle-mindedness is all about, isn't mm -hmm. it? This field of abundance, which is full of joy and mm -hmm. full of love and full of expansion and full of yeah. adventure and full of play yeah. and full of wealth yeah. and prosperity. Yeah. Um, you know, all, all we need to do is be right-minded mm. and then we find it rather than dwelling constantly mm. on the negative. We're given these, I believe, to develop our own emotional GPS system. Yeah. So do you want to be worried? Do you want to be anxious? Do you want to be fearful? Do you want to be this and the other? Um, as opposed to, do you want to be joy? Well, I want to be joyous. I want to be free. I want oh, to be happy. I love so silliness. I, so I, totally. <laughs> it's nonsense. It's great. Let's let our hair down and play. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you, my darling. Absolute, absolute pleasure speaking to you. And if people want to find out more about Stuart Pierce, where can they find you online? Literally, www.stuartpierce.com. Stuartpierce.com. And of course, Facebook and Twitter Instagram. and Instagram and YouTube. You know, he's, on the, he's on the Cosmic <clears throat> Web. Subscribe to the, yeah, just go use www.stuartpierce.com or Stuart at stuartpierce.com and it'll lead you into the world of the Angels of Atlantis. And I can wholeheartedly, personally, uh, recommend the Resurrection Retreat mm. in Egypt. It, mm. it will change your life. Mm. It might not be an easy change to begin with, I have to say, but it will. it is extraordinary. And this extraordinary man is, you know, just one of my dearest friends and also a brilliant, brilliant spiritual warrior and teacher. Stuart, from my heart, Thank you so much, Namaste, my darling. darling. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. And namaste to all of you. And to our film camera person. <laughs>